Howdy, Dis After Dark listeners. Toy Story Land is opening up at Hollywood Studios on June 30th. Book now for some great summer deals and to see what's new. Take a ride on the Slinky Dog Dash coaster, ride the alien swirling saucers with the kiddos, enjoy a new third track on Toy Story Mania, and grab a bite to eat at Woody's Lunchbox. Remember, if you book with me, I'll take care of your dining reservations, fast passes, and create a personalized itinerary just for you and your family. Mention this ad to get $25 off your deposit. Reduce stress by letting me do the planning for you. I make the plans, you make the memories. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com and on social media at WPMagicJourneys. After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Diz After Dark. I am Nick and I am joined this week by my two favourite pools. Uh, my two favourite pools that still recall podcasts with me, Mr. P. Dubs Paul Washington and Good evening. Mr. D himself, Paul Dolan. Good evening. How are we? Yeah, not not too bad, not too shabby. Um, but I think we should get the, the, the crap bits out of the way first. Um, I'll try and make sure it's the the hardest swear I do tonight as well, by the way. Um, but as we recall this, like literally as we recalled this uh, about an hour or two ago now, um, was the news that Stan Lee had passed away. And this is a Disney podcast, but it's actually quite timely because um, we're going to be talking film tonight. And, you know, Stan Lee created arguably created Marvel comics uh, and certainly at least co-created some of their biggest superheroes. So, you know, the Avengers, Spider-Man, Thor, Hulk, they were all him, not Captain America, but that's probably why I don't like Captain America quite so much. But um, his first story was Captain America that he wrote. There you go. Um, but yeah, so although he himself isn't Disney, he was Marvel and, Disney's deal with Marvel, I think, has probably been the greatest acquisition Disney have ever done. Like, 
that deal has paid itself dividends time and time again in the short time that they've actually had that deal. And the repercussions of Marvel are going to be seen for, you know, years, if not decades more to come. Um, you know, Marvel's been such a big hit for Disney, uh, not only just in the cinema world, but also in theme parks as well. I mean, it's it's absolutely huge. It's only going to get bigger. Um, and we all owe, owe that to Stan Lee. And uh, me and P-Dubs were talking just before we started recording about this and the fact that in a lot of ways, you know, Stan Lee was the Walt Disney of the comic book world. You know, Walt Disney, you know, built this empire with a mouse. And, you know, the reason why we're doing this podcast is because of how much we love Disney. But Stan Lee was arguably the equivalent in the comic book world. And so, sure, he didn't have any involvement in Batman or Superman or, or Green Lantern or Wonder Woman. But he created some of the biggest characters of all time. And they've gone on to, you know, not only influence influence us as we were kind of growing up but also now they're influencing a whole new generation because of these films because of these new cartoon shows because of the comic books um and throughout those characters it, it kind of made it in a way i don't want to say cool because that's not quite right but but certainly acceptable to be invested in something that was always kind of seen as a bit geeky and now the world has kind of got on board with comic books and comic book films and, and, and everything like that. And that's all down to him. So, I mean, he was 95. I don't think any of us were shocked that he's died in a lot of ways because we knew he was getting on. Um, but it was just quite sudden. And I think the, the impact is, as I said, going to, you know, resonate for, for a long time um, because of the impact he had on pop culture and so I think it would be ignorant of us not to um, acknowledge that to start the show. So, um, Stan Lee, here's one for you. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. That is how I, I sign off on my very, very lengthy Facebook post. It's the longest I've ever typed on an iPhone. It took me ages. I hate typing on iPhones. Horrible, horrible. Um, but we're going to start the show as we do each and every week. Uh, where we can actually have a toast now, um, which I should have done. I should have thought about that first because I'm really thirsty now. Um, so, what is everybody drinking? And I'm going to go, Mr. D, first. Um, sorry, just the uh, the usual. Well, I say usual until this case of Thatcher's haze, uh, cloudy cider is done. It's the usual. So, uh, cheers. Bottoms up. It's got it's got fruit in it. There you go. One of your five a day. It's got to be good for you. What are you drinking? I'm actually not drinking anything today. I've uh, I've sat down and not even thought about it. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm going to be talking for a little bit. You might, yeah, I know. You might need to get yourself something. Although, admittedly, it's me that's talking. Um, I I didn't really think about recording tonight until it's too late. So I've just got uh, good old Perry 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 Cherry Pepsi Max. <laughs> Perry Pepsi Max. Oh dear. <laughs> I've uh, yeah. It's been it's been a bit of a week. So. Have you tried Fentiman's Cherry Cola, Nick? Have I tried what's what? Fentiman's Cherry Cola. I don't believe so. What's this? Is this alcoholic? No. Oh. No, Fentiman's is like a... If you get gin and tonic, you very often you get like Fentiman's tonic. Um, but they make other stuff as well. Anyway, they make they make a cherry cola. It comes in one of those little 
little thin cans, you know, tall but, tall but slim. Just like me, um, yeah. If you're a cherry coke uh, aficionado, you may like it. I need to, I definitely need to give that a go. Mm. Uh, if anyone's listening from the company, uh, the email address is uh, gmail.com. Um, right, so a few things that we want to talk about, but for a change, there's been something that I've wanted to talk about for quite a while. And uh, Timely has said that we're, we're doing this now because of Stan Lee. And that is, I wanted to talk about the state of, of Disney and more importantly, Disney live action. Now, a lot of people have been moaning um, that Disney keep churning out these remakes of their old cartoons. And I completely get that. There have been a lot. There's more coming in the pipeline. Personally, I've actually quite enjoyed them. Um, I haven't seen, saying that, I haven't seen Cinderella because I was never a fan of the cartoon anyway, so I've not rushed to see that. Um, I didn't like Maleficent, although I would argue that's not really a remake of Sleeping Beauty. It's, in a way, almost a completely different story. Um, But those live-action remakes of animated films have been very, very successful uh, for Disney. And if we go back and talk about what we say at the start of the show, Marvel. Marvel's been huge for Disney. Absolutely massive. Those films have done phenomenally well at the box office. And, of course, their other acquisition around the same time was Lucasfilm. Um, Star Wars has been doing great. Not quite so well with the last couple of films they've released, but um, I've got high expectations for Episode Nine. I think they will turn the ship back around to uh, kind of use a pun there. Um, But Disney themselves is what I want to focus on. So not Marvel, not Lucasfilm, they're doing well. I don't even really want to talk about the animated remakes. I want to talk about their live action films. And originally we was going to record this episode last week and the Nutcracker in the Four Realms had come out last weekend. So it's now in its uh, second weekend of um, release. And uh, not too surprisingly, had had a bit of a slow start at the box office. Um, didn't do particularly well. Opened in the low 20s and was another example of Disney live action not really getting off to a good start. The Nutcracker is interesting because it's obviously a Christmas-themed film. It's coming out a bit early. They've just done the same with The Grinch. So I think the expectation is that if they release it now, it will kind of last for a few weeks I'm not entirely sure how that's going to play out. It's not had great reviews, um, except for two people, actually. And that's my daughter and my wife, who went to see it this weekend and both really enjoyed it. Um, And Mr. D, did you go and see The Nutcracker? Yes. Yeah, we went last weekend. What did you think? Yeah. Um, I think certainly uh, from the reviews that I've heard... I think we were pretty consistent with most people's reviews, which are it's it's good in parts, but overall it's a bit of a mess. You can you can tell that it was a a troubled production and has been in the hands of more than one director. So uh, I think I think that shows up in the film, really. Yeah, I, I didn't actually realise that, that that Joe Johnson had been brought in to uh, to fix some of the damage um, mm. until after I was reading some of the reviews. But uh, the thing is, like. My daughter is is five, 
And so there's a lot of dross that she'll quite enjoy. <laughs> so the fact that she loves it is great. And to be honest, like films aren't going to appeal to everybody. Uh, you know, I get that. So if my five-year-old loves it, she really likes it and it works for her. Great. But Disney are not trying to just make these huge budget films for little kids. Um, they're trying to get a big audience. It's not happening. And mm. so I've done the painstaking work. I've actually done work for this. I produced an Excel spreadsheet and everything. And I've gone through the last few years of, of Disney and their live action output and what the films cost and what they actually made back. Um, so we're going to start with the Nutcracker and work our way back down to around about 2010, which is where I really start to think the slump kind of happened. So um, the last film out was the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. It's only just come out. It's been out for two weeks now. Um, it costs $120 million to make. It's so far grossed $96 million worldwide. Now, that isn't actually too bad. Because I said, it's been out for two weeks. Okay, the first week or two is when it makes the majority of its money, but I reckon it will probably last a good few months before it rolls out of the cinema. Um, or pirouettes, is that the way? At the term? I don't know, I'm so behind. You know, I haven't done ballet in so long. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I think that one might do okay, but you've got to remember as well that a film needs to make back at least three times its budget, at least three times its budget to be seen as, as a making a profit. So it's got a way to go. It's almost made back its budget, but it's got a way to go before it actually starts to make uh, a profit. Now, another film that uh, opened early this year that uh, there was a lot of publicity about was a wrinkle in time. Mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey was in it. A lot of high expectations about it. I didn't bother to go and see it because I, I looked at the trailer and thought, I don't think this is really the target audience for me. Again, wife and daughter saw it. Daughter thought it was okay. And that's a five-year-old again we're talking about. Uh, and my wife said it was very boring. That film cost $120 million uh, estimated to make. And that made back $132 million. And that film's done. Right, that's that's been and gone, out on DVD, done. So 132 million is what it it made. So it just covered its budget, and that's before the ticket sales and all that kind of stuff gets taken out. Uh, Christopher Robin, 75 million to make, 200 million return. Uh, Queen of Catwe. You are. Yeah. <laughs> now I. I when I've made this list, I've gone for nearly all of the live action films that they've made, which aren't a franchise or a remake. Okay. So I've ignored stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean. I've ignored stuff like the jungle book, um, because they're their own thing. And, and that's what we're trying to look at here is Disney's more original output and what they're doing. So I think this is one of those films that they make, which is, um, you know, kind of like a bit Oscar baity. So it was only a small budget film, 50 million quid to make, made 10 million back. So it is what it is. Alice Through the Looking Glass, I was very unsure about putting in this list because it is a sequel. Again, I don't actually think Alice in Wonderland is a a remake of the cartoon. 
stories oh. far too different, more like the book. Um, and obviously, they never made an Alice Through the Looking Glass cartoon, so I included that one. That one cost $170 million to make and made $299 million back at the box office. So, I mean, not terrible, but when you consider that the first Alice in Wonderland made a billion dollars at the box office, or, or just shy of, um, you know, they would have been disappointed with that. Uh, Peach Dragon, uh, again, kind of different with that one as well, because technically that was... Uh, a remake, but that was 65 million uh, to cut to make and 143 million uh, it took at the cinema. The BFG 140 million and made 183 million at the box office. So the thing is, like, you know, you can look at Queen of Cats and go, well, you know, it lost five million quid on, on what it cost to make, but the BFG only made. 43 million you've got to look at that return of investment and again that's before the, the ticket prices start coming out um now here's a film which i think everyone was a big fan of the finest hours with chris pine yeah oh it's oh yeah. someone actually knows about it okay yeah <laughs> i did know about that film by the way but is that uh, the one about the they got a sea and a fishing boat rescue somebody some, that one? something like that yeah. yeah, it came out <clears throat> yeah. around about the same time as um, oh, what was the one about the Moby Dick? Oh, the yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, hard to say. Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hed- uh, Tom Holland. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they came out about the same kind of time. I think they went for the same audience and uh, and both uh, got stranded at sea. Um, so that was seventy million to make and made fifty two million at the box office. And now we're starting to see where the losses come in. Uh, Tomorrowland. Now, mm. I think uh, we talked on Diz After Dark about Tomorrowland for ages. That was one of the films that we talked about Jim Hill uh, back when it was in its production stages. And, um, you know, there was big things expected. 190 million to make. 209 million made at the box office. And mm. as much as I like that film, at the same time, it killed Tron 3. And I'll never forgive Brad Bird for that. Mm. Especially not after he made Incredibles 2. It was another movie that <clears throat> I really wanted to like it. I really looked forward to it. And some parts of it I liked, but overall it was pretty crap. I mean, just annoying. Annoying characters. <laughs> I thought you just meant the fact they included it. It's a small world. <laughs> no, no, I actually quite liked that bit. And uh, I, I uh, you know, I, I've got a... You know, I've, I've got a pin collection and I've, I've got that Tomorrowland pin. Mm. So the next time I go and it's a small world, I'm going to hold it up and see what happens. But uh, <laughs> probably nothing. But uh, I wanted to like it. I wanted it to be good. And um, it just was not what it should have been. No, and I think the other the other thing as well, right? So I'm glad Craig's not here because Craig would have just been shouting over me all of these film titles because of how great they are, how it's the best film he's ever seen, etc., etc. This isn't about the quality of the films. This isn't saying, well, it didn't make money, therefore it's shit, or anything like that. This is just pointing out simple stats. That's all it is. And like you, I really wanted to love Tomorrowland, and there were things in that film that I really did like. Yeah. But there was an awful lot that I hated as well. Or, or not hate, hate's a strong word. I, I, I just feel it was a missed opportunity. I really mm. do feel it was a missed opportunity. It- 
it was at that time that I was kind of really starting to to pick up the knowledge about Disney, mm, mm. where I was starting to read loads of books and and stuff like that, and my love was kind of ticking over from it. And I remember reading about this film and thinking, "Oh, it's based on a land at Disney. It's going to be great." Mm. And then I watched it and I was like, "Hugh Laurie is the villain for a start. Doesn't work." And it just felt like it was, oh, let's just stick George Clooney in something, give it a name with a, a big Disney name on it, and it'll do great. Did they never see like they never see Batman and Robin? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Nipplegate. <laughs> but, but they did watch Nespresso adverts, True. to be fair. True. He's very good in those adverts. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was my biggest problem with Tomorrowland, is the fact that, George Clooney in it is just not very likable. I actually, I actually do quite like him. Joe Sada, I actually think he's a fairly decent actor, but it just felt it. You know what it was like? It was a bit like the Mummy with Tom Cruise. Yeah, you, it felt like if you watch, if you ever watch it again, just watch how much screaming. I can't remember her name now, but whoever the female lead mm. is, just how much she screams through the movie. It's oh, awful. Really? Yeah. Is it a little bit like uh, Willy Syndrome from uh, Temple of Doom? <laughs> yeah. You cheat, Mr. Jones! <laughs> um, so, right, so now there are actually a few films that did make some money, right? Mm. In a row as well. So, Into the Woods, I was surprised by this actually. Into the Woods actually made money. Cost 50 million, made 213 million. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get through it. It explains why Emily Blunt got the role of Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Alexander and the terrible, not very good, bad, whatever the day. I always get, I couldn't write the whole title out. I didn't have time for that. I wanted to get this done today. Alexander um, and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. There you go. I have seen it actually. I've seen it a lot because there's a scene in it where a kangaroo kicks Steve Corral. And my daughter thought it was the funniest thing in the world when she was like two. So we watched that quite a lot. It's actually not a bad film. 28 million to make 101 million at the box office. So again, mm. working out the three times, making Good. money. Um, saving Mr. Banks, 35 million, 117 million return. What about Malefic- Maleficent? Easy for me to say. I, I ignored Maleficent. You past that. Yeah, I, I ignored Maleficent only because, and I, I've, I've, I realize I'm wrong with that because I said about it being a live-action Disney cartoon, but technically it was different enough from Stephen Duty that I should have included it. What would mm-hmm. Maleficent do? Don't know. All right, okay, I'll find out in a second. Sorry, I don't uh, know. That's, that's fine, I'll find out in a second. Um, You're the member of the spreadsheet. Yeah, no, but I got the other, I took everything off web pages. Um, <laughs> yeah, saying Mr. Banks is an interesting one, because it's, it obviously did really well. Um, but I kind of saw it as a bit... Again, of a of an Oscar bait film, so I wasn't. I mean, it's good that it did make money, but um, surprised it did. Um, Maleficent cost around about two hundred and fifty million. Wow, made seven hundred and fifty-eight. Mm, okay then. So, well, I mean, it's done like, uh, enough to, to get a sequel, which is unlike most of the mm-hmm. films on this list, um, mm-hmm. which I and absolutely I, cannot wait for. And I will point something out. My my wife has uh, supplied one of the dresses that Maleficent is wearing in the new film. 
Has she really? So she supplied the material for it, yeah. She had, she had an order that said it was for Angelina Jolie. Wow. Well, it wasn't much material then, I imagine. Probably not, no. Mm. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I... Oh, I remember going on Epic Rent on This After Dark when Maleficent came out and had a very heated row with somebody. I can't remember who it was now because I hated Maleficent that much. And it's not that it wasn't a... I mean, I think it was a great-looking film. I think she was well cast in the role. I just didn't like the fact that they basically took the Sleeping Beauty story and decided to rip the heart out of it to make Angela Jolie not be the bad guy in a film. Hmm. And it still bugs me now, actually, so I'm going to stop talking about it. Um, but, yeah, that that did that did well, so we'll put that on the list. Um, Oz the Great and Powerful, 215 million, 419 million return. Hang on, hang on. You missed, uh, you missed a peach. Go on. The, the Lone Ranger. Oh, that's next on the list. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember, wh- remember which order they came, you know, what part yeah, of the year they, they came they out. The same, they were the same year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, both films, surprisingly, had the same budget, 215 million. But yeah, Oz made 419 million. Mm-hmm. Lone Ranger, 260 million. I thought you were going to say 268 and just leave it at that. <laughs> I don't know anybody that went to see it. Um, no, I I remember watching it. I have seen The Lone Ranger, and mm. what I remember the most about The Lone Ranger is that if the last 20 minutes were like the previous two hours, people would have gone to see The Lone Ranger. It was bloody boring. Mm. That last 20 minutes was very exciting, but it was right at the time when they felt Johnny Depp could do no wrong and to let mm-hmm. him basically do whatever. And that's what came out. And yeah, it, it wasn't good. Um, Still better than Oz, though. <sighs> what would I like was, to see was it? more? God, it must have been bad then. What would I, like I sat through the first more? 10 minutes and turned it off. <clears throat> what, of Oz? Yeah. I watched Oz. I went to see it in the cinema. Yeah, I, I saw Oz at the cinema. Um... I remember seeing it in 2D and was murdering the whole way through that I wanted to go and see it in 3D. Um, I think I, I, I was right. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't hate it. I just felt a little bit yeah. meh. Um, again, yeah, was the same. I think, I think well, actually we'll talk about the issues for why this might be happening again in a, in a, in a bit. Um, the next one I had on the list was John Carter. Maybe Not to be confused with the, uh, the Doctor from ER. To what I always thought it was based on, um, and that film made two hundred and fifty. Actually, cost two hundred fifty million to make and made two hundred eighty four million at the box office. Now I've got, um, you know, John Carter's interesting to me because I was sent by Disney Brit. This is before Disaster Dark was a thing. I got sent by um, Disney Brit to a uh, preview screening of uh, some scenes and a Q&A of John Carter before the film came out. And um, I, I, I was pleased going to that, and it was great. It was my, one of my first kind of podcast things I ever did was that. Um, but I was gutted when the film came out, not because I didn't enjoy the film. I thought the film was great um, in how it was treated, in how it was received. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think it's a terrible shame. I can see, I, I, I can get guess why it flopped um, like it did. It seems that every 
science fiction film that's ever been made has nicked bits from John Carter and they, those series of books um, because they were so old. I mean, they were written by the same author as Tarzan, for, you, for those that don't know. Um, so, like, turn of the century time. Or like, well, mm. not turn of the century, but, like, you know, 1920s. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, George Lucas stole a lot from John Carter and the, the series of books. He tried to get the rights. That's what led him to make Star Wars, that he couldn't. Yeah. Um, and so I think, and especially, I mean, the, the bit that always stands out for me more than anything else is um, when he's battling in the arena. And that almost is the same scene by scene as Attack of the Clones. Mm. And the problem is, is that, uh, and even myself, like, you know, I saw and I knew Attack of the Clones before I saw John Carter. So if you didn't realise that source material was actually, you know, predated Star Wars by you know, decades, you'd have felt they've just ripped off Star Wars when actually it was the other way around. And so I think it did get treated quite unfairly. Um, but yeah, you know, that ended the uh, the live action Pixar director's kind of dreams. Um, mm. Andrew Stanton was behind that, wasn't he? I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was, there was talk of, of other live action films being directed by Pixar employees and that shot that stone dead. Um, so it was a shame. Um, and the last one really, and kind of where I think this started, is my beloved <clears> film, <throat> Tron Legacy, which cost $170 million to make and made $400 million at the box office. And uh, shout out to uh, Mars Needs Mums, which mm, technically is a cartoon, but it was a mocap film, uh, a bit like Christmas Carol or... Um, Polar Express before that, uh, a film that tanked so badly, so badly, it actually closed down the animation studio. <laughs> and it stopped what would have been, actually, I think, their piece de resistance, which was a mocap remaking of The Yellow Submarine. That was their next film. Already been cast, already been tested, mm. and it, Disney pulled They the sunk it. Pretty much, Mars Needs Mums, yeah. 150 million to make, 38 million global worldwide box office. Wow. And they think Ouch. John Carter bombed. Ouch. Mm. Um, so, Secretariat was the same year. How did that do? Um, I don't know. I think, I, that did, I think that did quite well. I didn't. So what, when I looked at this list of films, what I tried to do was look at films that were supposed to be big hits. Mm. Um, so I ignored some things uh, doing that list like that because mm. I didn't see it as being a film that had um, wasn't expected to do well. But whether it did or not it, it is you know neither here nor there. Um, but I don't know, what year did it come out? Same year as uh, 2010. So same year as uh, Tron Legacy. Yeah, 35 million budget. Made sixty million. Mm, okay. Yeah. See, like, if it's if it's under like hundred million, is it really considered a, a box yeah, office draw? Chump change, <laughs> isn't it? Really, it is for them. It's hard um, getting out of bed. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, I think what is interesting um, looking at this is that Disney aren't throwing around like small lumps of money. You know, there's only a few films in that list that are under a hundred million that they've they've thrown at. 
to try and make a big success of. So, you know, although I mentioned some films there like Alexander the Terrible, Not Very Good, Electric Boogaloo, um, the fact is I put that in there just to show that some of these live action films can make a <laughs> decent profit. Um, but, you know, when they try and aim big, they're just not hitting. And, I, you know, if it wasn't for Star Wars and if it wasn't for Marvel, I think Disney would be in huge trouble right now. I mean, okay, the animated films still do well. Yeah. But you can't keep, like, you know, the, the length of time it takes to churn out a live, a, an animated film compared to a live-action film, there's not, no comparison. Even with computer animation, it still takes, what, two or three years hmm. to, to yeah, fully animate sure. a film? Um, so you, they, they can't just... You know, they, they need to constantly have stuff going on. Um, and the only thing I can really think of as to where they might be suffering is in their choice of actors. Now, we mentioned it- Tomorrowland. George Clooney's bankable, but <clears throat> yeah. he didn't really fit in with the film. Um, Oz the Great and Powerful, I can't remember who mentioned that, but James Franco. I've got no problem with him as an actor. I know as a person, he's a bit shady, but um, again, like totally wrong for that film. Totally wrong. Mm. John Carter. You just, you're making a film that's costing 250 million. It's not got on your cast. It's not got on your cast at all. And what was it? Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Who at the time was basically a TV actor. Exactly. Well, still is. Yeah. You know, I know, I know he's gone on to do other films, but he's oh, never... Went and did another bomb straight afterwards, didn't he? In Battleship. He, he sunk Battleship. So, like, mm. little... Because the game, mm-hmm. you uh, sink the... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, he... You know, he was the, the choice to lead a $250 million film. Why? Why put that much pressure on someone like that? The Lone Ranger, right? $215 million. I'd argue about half that film was down to the actual um, wages, mm. not the actual production. I don't. I don't disagree that you know that the cast and the casting can have a massive effect, but I still think the difference between a, a really good movie and you know a so-so movie or even a crap movie is is story and characters and. And some of those movies, you know, like I, I didn't like, I didn't dislike Tomorrowland because George Clooney was in it. I, I disliked it because it was, you know, the parts in it that were just naff. They were just annoying and stupid, you know. And I mean, if you take if you take Pirates of the Caribbean, right? I loved the first Pirates movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and I still like it. I just, I've just, I've just blanked out from my memory everything that came after the first one. Right, I've had I've had electrotherapy, and <laughs> and they're gone as far as I'm concerned. But it's the same nice. cast, right? So what what happened in the second, third, fourth movie? You know, okay, when you get to like the fifth and sixth, you might say it's just it's just worn out. You know, just people have had enough of it. But the second movie, you know, everybody was really hyped up about the second movie, looking forward to it because the first movie was so good. Um, but it just wasn't it wasn't there. It just wasn't quite. 
right from a story point of view and and then the direction they start to take the characters and I think that's what makes a difference. Yeah, I think it was that kind of committee thing of bearing in mind that the reason why the first parts was a success was because of Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm. And they didn't want that. And of course, when suddenly he's the breakout star, quick, more Captain Jack, please. Mm-hmm. And so the film kind of turned on what it was, you know, it, the direction it, it originally was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It, it just, it was... Every, every Pirates film, it's been more and more focused on Jack Sparrow and it's diminished. Now, I actually saw the last one, which was um, Salazar's Revenge, was it? Yeah, or, yeah. or Dead Men, Dead Men Tell, Tell No Tales. <clears throat> Depending yeah. on where you are in the world. Why? We've had to have different titles for it. God only knows. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed that one, and mainly because they dialed in Johnny Depp. Captain Jack Sparrow wasn't the focus of that film. He was reduced to a, he was reduced to a side character. Other yeah. than his introduction into the film, that bit he was kind of like that was Captain Jack of old. Mm. But once after he was introduced, he was in the background where he should be, like comic relief. Um, I mean, it, that film also had a terrible cameo by Paul McCartney, but you know that's not why the film didn't do so well. But you're right, they've, they had a, a, a winning franchise there and they've kind of ruined it. Um, Chris Robin, done pretty well. Alice with Looking Glass, again, I, I don't know... I don't know why that film was so boring, but it was. It was just a boring mm. film. Again, it was a film tied to Johnny Depp. Yeah. Is it, is it him being a leading man that's causing them problems? I don't see, to me, his Mad Hatter isn't really the main character. The only thing I would say about Alice with Looking Glass is it got released the same week when uh, his marriage troubles started to uh, to kick up. So there is that element of it, that the negative press might have kind of kept people away from seeing it but the other thing is as well it was a boring film that got badly received um that's also got to be taken into account Uh, but yeah i mean the common denominator there is is johnny depp um i love johnny depp don't don't get me wrong his his career's been great but at times it has become a pantomime of himself over the the last few years oh no it hasn't well it has Oh, yes, that's. What behind you, Nick? <clears throat> that's Pinocchio. Um, I, I was a I was a Johnny Depp early adopter, right? So I mean, I you know I liked him in in a lot of his like Not early films, street. like Nick of Time and things like that. You know, before he became like mega mega, and mm. and then I loved him in uh, the first Pirates. But you're right; he's become he's become a caricature of himself now, and then and it's at the point now where if if a Johnny Depp movie comes on, I, I don't want to go and see it. And I quite enjoyed the Magical Beasts, you know, the Harry Potter spin-off movie. But then at the end of it, when Johnny Depp suddenly turns up as Grindelwald, my heart sank, and I don't know what the second one's going to be like. We're going to find out pretty soon, but. He's just he's just like the kiss of death now because he has to be this way over the top crazy character, and 
you know, just don't want to know really. He's a, he's a, it's, it's, you know, futter whacking, futter whacking bad. I was, when they announced Tim Burton was going to remake Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I got so excited because Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was a book I loved as a kid. And I liked the Gene Wilder film, mm. but there was a lot that's different in that film to the book. An awful yeah. lot. So the fact that Tim Burton was going to make this, you know, direct adaptation of the book, I was all for. And then when I announced Johnny Depp, I was like, okay, he's just done Captain Jack Sparrow. You know, he can do a bit of wacky. That's fine. And then he played him like some weird, creepy Marilyn Manson, Michael Jackson hybrid thing with a touch of Mr. Mm. Burns when he gets like the radiation in the Simpsons and starts glowing. It was just a very odd performance. And yeah. so, you know, I always had this argument. We, we was having this argument a few months ago, actually, like what film to let Alice watch first? Do we let her watch uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory or do we let her watch Charlie in the Chocolate Factory first? Mm. And I think Tim Burton's film is actually better, but I think Gene Wilder is the perfect Willy Wonka. Yeah. And so what I'd really like someone to do is to edit out Johnny Depp, replace him with Gene Wilder, and then we'll have a good film. Um, but that film was just weird. It's really, yeah. really weird. Yeah, um, I mean, we, in our in our house, those, that film, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, is like, you know, right up there. It's, it is, and certainly Heather, my youngest daughter, it is like her favourite film. She's watched that film so many times. Hang on, Jimmy, Willie um, Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Willie Wonka and the Chocolate yeah. Factory, so the Gene Wilder one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we went to see Charlie in the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp. And it was, uh, I think it was before Johnny Depp really got to the point where he was just a joke, mm. but he was starting to get there. Oh, he and, was overlooking the cliff edge at that point, yeah. Yeah. And we went to see it. And actually, we quite enjoyed it. But you're absolutely right. He's just a creepy, odd character. But um, then he does other films that, uh, when he just plays it, it's straight, and he's really good. Like Murder on the Orient Express was really good. I really yeah, enjoyed that. I thought he was uh, fine in that. And yeah. then the one that he met Amber Heard on, I can't remember the name of it. Rum Diaries um, was it? Yes, I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah, and he was he was okay before he got crazy, you know. So he. Yeah. You can do it. It's just he's become like everybody expects him not to be this really wacky character like Captain Jack Sparrow or um or you know, Willy Wonka or um you know, the Mad Hat or something like that. It's gotta be gotta be really over the top. Yeah. The last time he really pulled that off, I I enjoyed Twenty Todd, which is probably the last time that he's kind of created one of those characters that I've enjoyed watching. Mm. And that but, was Tim Burton as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Surprisingly, yeah. I haven't seen that, better. to be fair. He's, he, I'm, I haven't seen it in a, in a while, but I remember him being very good in it, actually. And I met Tim Burton at the premiere of that. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, and, and I think The Lone Ranger is another example of that, where, okay, he's not, he's not over the top in that film, but he shouldn't have been cast in that film. Hmm. It, it like it was odd, and I think again it was the controversy around him, and, it, and this was before you know the marriage troubles and all this kind of stuff started. But 
there was a stigma of him being this crazy actor and, and all this. And there was the talk of it being racially insensitive and, and all that. And that at that point, I think that's when they really should have started thinking, you know, is this the right thing to do? You know, as I said, The Lone Ranger, 250 million, 260 million return. It was a bloody long film. It was a, a self-indulgent film. And I think the mistake they made, it wasn't just down to, to Johnny Depp, obviously, but it was Gore, is it Gore for, for Gore for, for, Babinski. <laughs> there you go. Easy um, for you, see. Oh, well, yeah. Who'd obviously had the success with the, the original Pirates trilogy. So, right, he's done some films that have made a load of money, we'll get him back. Johnny Depp was in those films, we'll get him back. And then Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the man that is named after the toothpaste. I mean, his granddad invented the toothpaste, but still. Um, you know, no, it should not be a leading man. He's never proved himself in any film that I've seen that he should be a leading man. No. And again, huge budget film, and they've chosen the wrong person. So, you know, John Carter and, as well, Tron Legacy. Right? Garrett Hedlund? Yeah. Who? Who, who is he? I'd never heard of him before, no. and I haven't heard of him since. No. He's, I've seen him crop up in a couple of films. I think he's in the new True Detective series on HBO. Um, but again, you're making uh, an expensive film and you're having this nobody do it. And also as well, right? Because, I mean, you could say the same thing, like Olivia uh, Wilde was in that film, was in Tron Legacy. That was the first time I'd seen her. At that time, she was on House um, and, and was doing quite well for herself. But she's very pretty, right? She's very pretty. Garrett Hedlund just looked like generic, you know, white bread All-American. There was absolutely nothing about that guy that you would pick him out of a police lineup. So, so plain and boring. And yeah, another example where they've picked somebody and it's just, it's just not gone their way. So what do they need to do? Is it the stories they're telling? Is it the genres they're picking? Is it the actors that they're picking? What, what is it that's not working? Something's not. Something's clearly not working. Like they're just not having these hits. Mm. And yeah, on top of true. that, you know, in in less than a year's time, Disney Plus is going to be starting, which is something we need to talk about a bit later on in this episode. Um, that's their streaming service. They're making content for that. We've talked already about them making Lady in the Tramp for that making Star Wars TV shows, Marvel shows, everything like that. They're going to need to, they're going to make films for that platform. They've got to be good films. Okay. Like, you know, they're not going to be making money because they're going to be going straight to the streaming service. So the budget and grosses aren't, you know, going to be reflective, but they've got to be at least decent. You know, of most of these films, like Nutcracker, Ringling Time, Christopher Robin, those films didn't get glowing reviews. So yeah. what is it? What is it that Disney needs to do to fix it? Yeah, I, I still think it <clears throat> I still think it boils down to story and story and character and dialogue. And I think 
there are certain certain formulas that that Disney and and not just Disney to be fair. I think some of the other studios as well. They they just chuck it in like a recipe, you know. So we've got to have like big CGI effects. We've got to have massive stunts. You've got to have a sort of formula of you know comic relief and the straight guy. And it it that's fine. It it's fine if it works in a story with good characters. But if you if you just rely on that, at best you're going to get an okay film. It isn't going to be a great film. And and it doesn't. I think it does matter who plays, who plays the parts, but it doesn't matter if your story and the dialogue's crap. Doesn't matter who you get. It's going to be at best an average film. So, you know, you can get away with a good story and and you know and a well directed, well written movie, and unknown actors, if if it's good enough, and you can actually launch an actor. Or an actress, well, it's an old actor now. Isn't it? Um, you know, you can launch their career. That wasn't a political statement, by the way. Um, although I don't, I don't quite personally understand the problem with actress and actor. But there we go. That's just me. Um, yeah, I, I think you can get away with it um, if you've got a good story and good characters. You could launch an actor's career. Um, because you can't keep relying on the same George Clooney's and Johnny Depp's, you know. Somebody has got to get has got to give somebody a chance to see if they can step up and and take a leading role. So, but, but the thing is, I mean, and you're you're right. But you know, look at the films we talked about. You've had people in those films that are established that you would expect mm-hmm. them to bring you a box of return because of their name value, and then you've yeah. got people that are unproven. And neither works. Yeah. Like neither one of those has has worked. They've they've both fallen into the same trap. So you're mm-hmm. you're right, but there, there's obviously something that's not not quite right. And I, you know, the other thing, does it come down to the marketing? Does it come down to the promotion of these films and the fact that um, they're not doing a good enough job? John um, Carter's the that- ultimate one. Yeah, and that's exactly where I would go with it at the moment. I think that their PR team don't really know what they're doing. A lot of the time, they stumbled upon a hit with Pirates. They didn't really want it to be a hit, um, and it was only because of how the film actually came out in the end that they got a hit. They didn't promote it. Um, And then they, they seem to promote things that probably don't need as much as they get that don't deserve it. Um, Wrinkle in Time being prime example, that was promoted to the hilt, despite the fact that it was a pile of cack. Um, and then, as you say, they've got films like John Carter, which wasn't promoted at all, which deserved better. Um, they just don't seem to, to really know what they're doing when, when it comes to promoting films. No. And I mean, the thing is, like, you know, and I know that I, I talk far too much in this podcast about Tron Legacy. Um, but when that film came out, the opening weekend, I think it had, it, it opened to just under 70 million uh, its first weekend, if I remember rightly. And Disney had turned around and said they're expecting it to finish with Avatar numbers. Now, Avatar had come out the previous December. And had well, it's still the biggest grossing film of all time. 
over two billion worldwide. And Disney honestly thought a sequel to a 28-year-old film that flopped was going to produce Avatar numbers. It's just incredible. Well, it was never going to do that. I mean, I you know, I obviously wanted Tron to be a bigger hit than it was because I wanted to see another film. I wanted to see it to be the start of a franchise. But they had, and we didn't notice at the time, but they had Lucasfilm on the table. Why do you need to worry about your own sci-fi franchise when you've got Lucasfilm? You've got the biggest sci-fi franchise in the world. What do you need mm. Tron for? Or the Black Hole. They were supposed to be remaking the Black Hole. That never come to fruition. Why bother? You've just bought the biggest sci-fi franchise there is. You don't need these films that you created in-house. Because you ne- you've now bought the biggest com- competition. Um, and that's it. I think sometimes the, 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 the numbers they're expecting for these films are so ludicrous. Um, I mean, I don't... Well, again, if you're talking about three times, A Wrinkle in Time needed to make over 400 million, 500 million to be deemed as a success. Was that film ever going to make it? Doubtful. Let's be honest. It's based on a, on a book from like the seventies that, you know, they've made into films before that have never done particularly well. They just throw more money at the budget, get some better effects and hope it's going to work. The Nutcracker. How many times have we seen the Nutcracker? We've seen the Nutcracker plenty of times. I'm not sure what we saw recently was really <laughs> the Nutcracker. It had a Nutcracker in it. It's some Nutcracker music, but it was a kind of abuse of of the phrase, I think. But that's my point. You know, they've they've tried to like do a bit of an angle with it, or whatever. But most people will still see. I know. I know it's called the Nutcracker in the Four Realms, but mm. people see the Nutcracker and go, "Oh yeah, that's about." The mouse and you know the, mm. the the nutcracker soldiers and stuff, but that's that's what you're going to expect. You either want to go and see it or you don't. The only one I was a bit surprised about was Christopher Robin. I honestly thought when I saw the first trailer for Christopher Robin, that was going to be the big hit this year. I really thought mm. that, and again, dumped out in August. Just mm. dumped out in August. Um, you know, I'm I'm surprised it did 200 million. To be honest. I don't know anyone yeah. that's seen it that didn't like it, but that's not the time to release that kind of film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw it. I quite liked it, but I've heard the other ones better. Oh, Is it Goodbye, Goodbye Christopher Robin? Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I'd like to see that. Yeah. It's a much better film. Not got the animated characters in it, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so P-dubs, I suppose with all this said and all these stats and everything like that, I mean, there is one more, well, actually two more big Disney films coming out before the end of this year. One is Wreck-It Ralph 2, so it's an animated film, so it's immediately out of discussion with this conversation. Uh, but the other one is a sequel to your favourite Disney film of all <laughs> yeah. time, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mary Poppins. Shall we, re- shall we remind them what I said uh- the Run Disney weekend when they showed the trailer? Well, as we were people, waiting in the crowd. People weren't there with us, so yeah. No. My reply to Nick was, as we were waiting in the crowds when they played the trailer, was, fuck off Mary Poppins. Because it <sighs> looks atrocious. Now, again, my daughter now wants to go and see this film. 
She saw the trailer with the Nutcracker and she's like all, all over it. And she's tried to watch the first one and she got bored towards the end because it's a long film. It, it is, is a long film. Um, so I, I, I get that. And me personally, I could give or take Mary Poppins. I, I never loved it. I never hated it. it. It is what it is. But I get why people do like it. So I don't begrudge anyone, you know, anything like that at all. Um, and I'm really not sure. I mean, yeah, Disney sure. are obviously expecting this to be a monster. This is going to be yeah. their next Alice in Wonderland or their next Beauty and the Beast. It's going to be huge, but I'm not convinced. It's going to be it's going to be at least decent because because people are going to go and see it. I think the original Mary Poppins is so popular, so beloved. I know everybody may not like it, but but it is. And so anything, any sequel to Mary Poppins, there's, there's going to be it's going to draw the crowds in. If the reviews are crap, then that's going to that's going to you know, obviously going to impact it, but it's going to make money. I, it just depends whether it's an outright smash or just kind of okay. So the thing is, I like, I would say any other year, any other time in my lifetime, I'd go, yeah, I, I, I think you're going to be spot on. But this year, we had the greatest showman. Well, the end of last year, really, but it really led yeah. into this year. Now, that film barely got a good review anyway. And that become the longest running film at UK in UK cinemas since Titanic yeah. had done. Yeah, and the box office numbers for that film were ridiculous. Like I think I think I've... in the end it made like six or seven hundred million dollars at the box office. It's been the biggest yeah. selling DVD of this year. It's outsold Avengers. It's outsold um, mm-hmm. the Last Jedi. It's been absolutely huge, and yet it barely had a decent review from anyone. Yeah, I think that one was a bit of an oddity, though, because we, 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 we went to see it right at the beginning. So, you know, like the first, I think it was the first night it was on, or it was certainly the first weekend. Hmm. And we really liked it. it. It wasn't perfect by any means, but we really liked it. There's some great songs in it. Thought it was good. Thought it was slightly different, you know. And then, and then when you have the reviews, I don't know. There's like the critics got really snotty on it, and I couldn't understand why. So it was one of those ones where I think if you looked at it on Flickster or something like that, it'd be a, it'd be a kind of twenty percent critics and eighty percent users. You know, it was, it was, it was one of those, and uh, yeah, it just it, it did really good business. But uh, for whatever reason, it just the, the critics just. Um, Kind of peed on it, didn't they? Looked down on it. But the same thing has just happened, and, and, and so another reason for bring it up, really. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. again, had awful reviews. All, the only positive thing in the reviews has been um, Remy, Remy Manic? No, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, but a guy who's playing Freddie Mercury. So this isn't a Queen podcast. I didn't have that information in front of me, okay? Um, but he's had you know, real plaudits for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury, but people have like poo-pooed the film. Um, and it's, it's done huge numbers of venom is another one. Mm. Right. And I have a this up tonight because I mean, venom came out over here in the beginning of October, wasn't it? Yeah. Feels like it was about that time mm. that I saw it. Um, and that film had awful reviews across the board. I thought I was going to hate it. 
I didn't hate it. I didn't love it by any stretch, but I didn't hate it. Um, and most people that saw it felt the same way. Now that film this weekend opened in China, 111 million. It opened up to in China. Second biggest superhero release in, in that part of the world. Sony's biggest release in that part of the world. Um, mm. And that film's been universally panned. That film now has made almost $800 million worldwide. So the thing is, this, like, you know, one would be an anomaly in this today. Absolutely. But we're mm. now talking, and that's just the top of my head, but three films this year that have had awful reviews that have done really well. The only, funny enough, the only film I can think of that even fits into that category of being slagged off so much but they're not doing well, was probably a Disney film called Solo. That one didn't. Yeah. Um, that didn't find its audience. But, you know, I think we're starting to see a turn now where critics aren't the be-all and end-all anymore. People are starting to go and see stuff they want to. So, going back, Mary Poppins is an interesting one. Because I think it's... I'm not sure how that trailer plays out. I've seen a couple of trailers now and I can't decide whether or not it's going to be really good or really awful. And I think most of the problem for P-Dubs is the fact that Emily Blunt is playing Mary Poppins. I I, I, I don't mind her. That's the thing. I really don't mind her as an actress, but it's just the way she's playing it. It's just... It makes my teeth go on edge as soon as she starts talking. Because it is just, she's trying to do an impression of her. And there's no need for it. She's English anyway, so why why do you need to put on an accent? Well, that's clearly spoken by somebody who's not seen Helen Mirren in Fast and Furious 8. That's, that's an English accent and a half from someone that's English. Um, I get. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, to be honest, I've got more of a problem with the fact that they persuaded Lin Manuel Miranda that he had to do, you know, the new Bert, even though he's a completely different character, but do do the exact same Mockney accent that Dick Van Dyke did all those years ago. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I didn't think he looked right as Bert. Just not right. But he's not Bert. Well, yeah, but he, is is he Bert? No. Or he's not Bert? No, he's a completely different character. He's just, he's just, just another random chimney sweep. He's just, yeah, exactly. He's, he, yeah. He's, he's not a Cockney geezer. Yeah. Yeah, he's not actually right. playing okay. Bert. He's playing someone completely different, except for okay. he's in the exact same role, and he looks yeah. very similar to him, and he sounds exactly the same, but he's not called Bert. He's not Bert. He's not called Bert. Okay, that's fine. Now I suppose I can't say anything. I've got to shut up and grin and bear it. But but why why make him speak like that? Absolutely no need. Absolutely no need. So yeah, why make him sound like Nick? I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, I don't know why they didn't ask me. I mean, just because I don't sing as well as uh, or write songs as well as the man from Hamilton. I don't know. Um, right, so I think I think I've exhausted that for all it's worth. If people are still listening, um, so P 
P-dubs, was there anything you wanted to bring up? I was going to bring up one one little thing, and I know we're going to speak. There's a, there's another thing that links into to Disney Plus and and that that's come out today. But to to bring the tone down a little bit, I thought I'd talk a little bit about uh, Casey Casey's Corner's Christmas hot dogs. <laughs> um, there are twelve days of Christmas hot dogs at Casey's Corner this year. Um, so starting on the fourteenth of December all the way through until the 25th. The last one lasts for about five or six days. They keep not that it lasts for six days. I wouldn't want to eat it after six days, <laughs> but um, they're going to be selling the same one for six days. Right. Um, so starting on the 14th, we have the pineapple teriyaki dog. Nope. Uh, uh-huh. The 15th, the buffalo chicken dog. I'll, I'd have gone for that. Yeah. Um, the 16th, we have the Greek dog. No. Nah. Um, seventeenth Cuban dog. Hang on, I, I wonder yeah. know what the Greek dog is. Hang on, the Greek dog is olives, banana peppers, red onions, feta cheese, and no. tzatziki sauce. Jesus, no, 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 it's just wrong. On the eighteenth, we have the Aztec dog. The nineteenth, the hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, hang on, the eighteenth was. The Aztec dog. Okay. Nineteenth no. industrial zone dog. <laughs> Twentieth. And then at the end we get the, the crystal maze. <laughs> the dog. crystal dog, yeah. So the nineteenth is the Philly cheesesteak dog. Yes. Um the twentieth is the Casey's classic dog. Um, well, isn't that just what they serve normally then? Yeah, exactly. How festive well, is it? Well, it says it's got yeah. hash browns, bacon, cheese, and fried onion straws on it. I think that's what they have normally. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. There's somewhere yeah. that does a hash brown in a bun, which is just a wrong idea. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> the 21st is the cheesy dog. Uh, 22nd, the jalapeno popper dog. Okay, 23rd is the loaded mashed potato dog. No, Ooh. that's wrong. No. Mashed potato the in a 20- bun. No, get get real. He's like this is like the live action movie of hot dogs, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> then you'll love this one. The twenty fourth, yeah. the poutine dog. <laughs> and then on gravy, the... gravy in a bun. That's not. <laughs> and is that gravy and chips in a bun? No, no, no it's it's yeah. gravy. It's gravy and cheese curds. Cheese curds and yeah. chips. Yeah, that's yeah. what a poutine is. Yeah. Then... <sighs> Then from the twenty fifth to the twenty fifth of December to the first of January, it's the two foot long hot dog that you can get topped with two choices of two choices of toppings: either Casey's Classic, chili cheese, or mac and cheese. Sprinkles, hundreds and thousands. So, so I understand. Haven't they missed the obvious one here? I mean, shouldn't it like be like the twenty fifth? Shouldn't it be the turkey with all the trimmings, dog? Or yeah. turkey and cranberry sauce. Yeah. yeah, on a dog like it's ridiculous. So yeah. and then and then on the first of January, it's like the 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 whiskey the whiskey dog. The second of January is the Alka Seltzer dog. <laughs> and then right, on I the mean... third, it's the diet dog. <laughs> yeah. Fourth is the gym membership dog. Fifth is the uh, last at the gym dog. Um, right. Uh, so, Mister D, you mentioned there. I mean, by the way, you know, I've got to be honest, I'm really glad this is my first Christmas not eating meat. 
listening to that list. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing, uh, gravy and bread, right? Yeah. So I think they're doing it again this year. I'm not sure. And again, I've not had one of these for a few years. But Subway in the UK used to do a Christmas dinner uh, sub. Mm-hmm. And that used to contain turkey, uh, you know, various veg and uh, stuffing and gravy. Bre- sorry, bread sauce? No, no like, just, just no, gravy. It was, it was a gravy, was it? Okay. Just gravy. And yeah. it was, in the words of Craig, majestic. But yeah. there's a limit. Like you can't have too much gravy. You want a, no, you can't. a slight, just a slight thin layer, enough to kind of soak mm. a little bit in, but not drench it. That's yeah. the that's the fine line you've got. Um, yeah. But some of those dogs just sound absolutely ridiculous. Not all mm. of them, but I mean, yeah, mashed potato on a hot dog. No, it's a bit like when you go to like if you're eating a Weatherspoons. And they try and give you, like, you go curry night. And so you get, like, a curry and a rice. And they go, oh, you get an extra side of that. Would you like some chips? No. I've got rice. I don't need chips as well. <laughs> but that's, like, the mentality of it. It's, it's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And why are they? Why is there not a hot dog there that's got cranberry sauce? I hate yeah. cranberry sauce. But that is Christmas. For a lot of people, why is there not a cranberry sauce for hot dog? It's the most obvious thing. Yeah. So, out of that list, if you was going to Casey's for Christmas, which one of those would you go for? I quite fancied that buffalo one, mm. just because I like buffalo chicken. If it's got, if it's quite, it's got a bit of a kick to it. That could be okay. I do like buffalo sauce. I do like. What was the sauce. one after the buffalo sauce, Paul? Uh, the Greek dog. Uh, what was the one after the Greek dog? That was the Cuban. one that skipped past. The Cuban. Does it say what that is? That's going to be pork, yeah. isn't it? It's mojo pork, relish, yeah. Swiss cheese and mustard. Right, I'm in. That one. So that I, one. I reckon the uh, the popper dog could be quite good as well. Yeah. Jalapeno. I quite like the sound of the Aztec dog, which is sweet and spicy ground beef and cream elote mixed with spicy lime mayonnaise and grated parmesan cheese. It just sounds like there's too much going on, though. For me? That's just me personally. Um, Mr. D, uh, before mm. we go back to P-Dubs for Disney Plus chat, was there anything uh, that had caught your eye this week? Uh, no, I, I mean, there was a, there was a piece that I think we kind of touched on it last time, but this Tony's Town Square add-on to the Halloween, Mickey's Halloween, not so scary Halloween party, that just, that's interesting, um, I wonder how that's gonna, how that's gonna go, or how that is going, I don't know if anybody's heard, because obviously you've got to, you've got to pay extra to go in, I think you can go in and out, I don't know if it's as many times as you like, but you can go in and eat. But but that's extra on top of an extra event, and and it means that you're you're paying for something that's going to take up time of something that you've already paid a huge amount of money for the party. So you're missing the party to go and eat. It just uh, it just seems like a, you know I don't know plus plus up one plus up. Yeah, plus plus. Yeah, plus square. Yeah. You are getting a character meet and greet though. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'd want it. I'd want it to be Walt himself for, for <laughs> well, the sort of money that you've got to pay. I mean, the funny you should say that is his head. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, it's probably going to cost you a lung. You know what I mean? To to be able to pay for a <laughs> Mickey's not so scary. Uh, and and the Tony's Town Square. No, it's on Mickey's, top of that. Mickey's, Vicky, Mickey's very Mickey, merry Christmas. Mickey, oh yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, we're into Christmas now. It's July, so we're into Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So not that that counts or anything anymore, considering Halloween starts in July nowadays. Yeah, yeah. So your character meet and greet is with Tony himself. Tony, oh, as in the, as in for, the, from the Frosted Flakes. Things for that. Yeah, he's great. Jesus yeah. Christ. That's a bit like when they had... Um, uh, what was the bloke from the Aristocats? Yeah. Edgar? Edgar's a Yeah. Harris. When they had him at Disneyland Paris, like, he's just a guy in a suit. <laughs> so that was anyone. So it's Tony, bad. yeah, okay, Tony. You got you get to meet Tony. All Does right. he serenade you at your table? Mm. I think he may serenade you as you walk in. We've we've actually only eaten there once, but of course we had to do the spaghetti thing, right? <laughs> Kerry and I, we had to do the spaghetti photograph from Lady in the Tramp. You just got to do it. Did you decide which one you were? Uh, no, we just no, we just had a piece of spaghetti and we met in the middle, so we could have been we could have been anybody. I guess I was Tramp, I suppose. Just uh, sticking to gender. Stereotypes. That's on you. I gave you an option. That, you know, you, you made your choice, so that's, yeah. that's fine. Um, I drew the line at pushing the the meatball across the plate with my nose, though. I did stop short of that. Really? Yeah, See, we didn't I, do that I, one. I've had no problem with that. Horses mm-hmm. uh, for calls. Well, you would these days. Well, so you're off the meat. Yeah, but I'm not eating it, so it's all right. I've still got to prepare meat for everyone else in the house. It's fine. All right. Um, yeah, so there was a, an investor call. It was an investor call, wasn't it? Shareholders call last week. Yeah, it was I mean, I'm a quarterly. A, I'm a shareholder. I wasn't invited onto the call. <laughs> I, I own my one share of the Walt Disney Company. Um, but yeah, this is where Bob Iger talked a little bit more about uh, and officially announced the name as being Disney Plus. So this is the new Disney streaming service. This is, uh, you know, as I hilariously joked on Twitter, uh, Disflix must have been taken because I'm sure we all remember that scandal from last year. Um, But yeah, this is obviously Disney's attempt at taking on Netflix at their own game, launching their own streaming service. All Disney content is coming off of Netflix next year, um, just in time for this new streaming service to start. And as you mentioned earlier with the discussion on the film, you know, Disney have announced they're making their own programming for this. Um, They've announced some TV shows and some films already. Some of them sound great, like uh, The Mandalorian. That sounds good. High School Musical, the TV series, sounds crap. Um, But they announced a few more things during this call. I know definitely at least one of them is right in Mr. P Dubs's wheelhouse. Yep. So they finally confirmed after a few weeks of rumors that, uh, the God of mischief will be returning to our screens. Uh, Loki will be getting his own eight part series on the new streaming service. Tom Hiddleston will be returning. 
Um, there had been rumours that it was possibly going to be that it was they were going to follow the comic book storyline and Loki was going to return as a female. Um, but they did confirm that that Tom is coming back to reprise his role. Um, that was the the big one. Obviously, there's there's rumours about other shows that that they haven't confirmed yet that they're still working on, um, being Scarlet Witch and possibly Vision. They've not confirmed on either front um and winter soldier and falcon as well i think i think they should go all in because the problem with the vision right is that he's very dry isn't he yeah just just droll as a character so what about if they gave him a um a workplace comedy as what? a chef. As what? As a chef. He cooks in the last film, doesn't he? That is very true. It, you know, I think there's legs to it. and But, you know, you've got to play up the, the humour elements of it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's quite important. And uh, they could call it Chuckle Vision. <laughs> just, uh, just an idea that just comes to my head, you know. The other, th- other thing they could do is also... To introduce the X Men, they could could have it as kind of meeting the in laws mm-hmm. with Magneto. Yeah, yeah, I'm down with that. At home with the um. Oh no no no! They could call it Magnitude. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Bob Iger, if you're listening, I know you are. Um, I've got more ideas I can fire out of my ass just as quickly as that. No thoughts gone into these ideas. They're just off the noggin straight away. Um, is there any truth to the rumour as well this Loki series is going to be a spin-off from The Night Manager? <laughs> so he's actually oh, going to pretend that he's... Loki is going to pretend that he's managing a hotel in a far eastern country and get wrapped up in a political storm with, of course, everyone's favourite bad guy, Hugh Laurie. Well, Yeah. Again. Hugh Laurie has to be in there, doesn't he? Uh, he survived the first series, spoiler alert, for a series that came out almost three years ago. Um, so that that was the, the kind of Marvel stuff. So, as you say, there's there's confirmed rumours for Loki, unconfirmed rumours for Scarlet Witch and Vision, and possibly Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I'll be honest, let's look at the people in those shows. Falcon, not a big movie star. Cut the Winners. check. <laughs> Winter Soldier, not a big movie star. Scarlet Witch, not a big movie star. Vision, not really a big movie star, but probably more than the others. So let's be honest, they probably don't have to chuck that much money at them to get them to do a TV show no. for Disney streaming. So I think the chances of those shows are, are probably pretty high. And Disney will need to have content, so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think, even if it's just a mini-series, I think we will see more content based on those characters. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, and we talked, uh, we talked a few episodes uh, about now, didn't we, about the, the Mandalorian? Yeah. Which um, is not the car from Back to the Future, if you've not been paying attention. I know it sounds similar. Nor is it a small stringed instrument normally played in Europe. That's something else completely different. 
And actually, it's not that device that slices vegetables and your fingers at the same time. So manned it in. Um, but they have announced another Star Wars TV show. Yeah. Did they announce the title? I don't think they did announce the title. Did no, they? they didn't. No. Um, but this is going to be based mm, somewhere. A prequel and, to a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be based around the time frame of Rogue One. So we're talking after episode three, quite a way after episode three, but a fair bit before episode four. So yeah. this is probably what episode three point six seven, Yeah. Or something around there. Um, but this is going to have... What was his name? Captain... Oh, can't remember. Oh, God. You said all the other day. Yeah. What's I mean? Like, I... Oh. <laughs> what, Captain Rex? Um, well, anyway, Diego Luna. Diego is coming, Luna. He's coming yeah. back. Uh, so he's going to be reprising his role in, in this un, as-yet-untitled Star Wars TV show. Um, I think it's good... Um, you've, you've not done the, uh, Star Wars VR, the void. No. Um, so he's in that, um, that, that attraction itself is set around the time of Rogue One. Anyway, you, you see some of the characters on that film, but he's in that. And when we did that experience, I thought, you know what? I, I actually, I forgot, like, I quite like this character. I think it's a shame we'll see him in nothing else. So I'm actually quite surprised and quite pleased that he's reprising that role because yeah. I, I like that character. I'm not sure what we're going to do with it, but I'll give it a go. Absolutely. It hasn't grabbed me as much as the, the Mandalorian. No, I think because Johnny Favs is involved with that one, you know, there's that bit more of expectation there around it, but I'm definitely interested in this, this new one as well. Um, so they haven't confirmed a date yet, have they? No, they late official next date. year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I reckon probably around about this time next year. And the other question, which I know people listening from the UK are going to ask, and we don't know, is what that's going to mean for us. Because there's been no mention. This is all discussion so far has just been, this is a service. We're going to be doing a service and, you know, that's it. There's been no discussion about what's happening with it globally. No, but then that links into something that's been rumoured today um, that apparently has come from Bob Iger again, is that they want to launch Hulu internationally. I don't really see the point, if I'm honest. Because the problem with like Netflix and everything like that is, and all these services, is that they have very specific licensing agreements with the broadcasters or the content owners. So the thing is like on Disney, sorry, on Netflix US at the moment, you can see stuff that you can't see on UK Netflix. So all the Disney films are on there rather than over in the UK, you have to wait for them to appear on Disney live two or three years later or watch them on sky. So by launching another service like Hulu, what content are you going to put on there? Because most of Hulu's original content has already been sold to TV companies in the UK. Yeah. So what's left for them to, to show? 
Well, they've they've kind of said that the more adult side of, of Fox is definitely going to be going on Hulu. So I'm assuming that's where they see it going is it's going to be be kind of that side of things for them. Whether it's they've said they're going to up their um, their output of new shows as well for Hulu. Um, certainly if they get the rest of the, the 40% that they need to, to be sole owners, I think Hulu is going to take another rise in, in quality. Mm. Um, so it doesn't kind of surprise me that they would look to to push out internationally, whether it comes as a, as a package, you get Hulu and Disney Plus internationally, I don't know. That could work. That could be a better option um, if it doesn't have as much content as it does in the US. Um, but we'll see. As I said, it's just a rumour at the moment, but it wouldn't surprise me. Certainly with, with DC pulling out of doing theirs internationally, Disney may look at it and go, well, do you know what? Let's take that market. Yeah, I suppose there is that. I mean... I mean, it could be a way of them keeping Disney life in the UK and being able to use Hulu to have that new content on. Yeah. I mean, that could be one way of doing it. I mean, I remember when the, um, and again, I know it's not the same, but when uh, WWE Network launched, it it got launched in in a staggered way because what they found was that, you know, different countries had different TV licenses tv licensing rights so not all content could be showed and how do you stop it because unless you block ips from certain regions or or vpns then you're accessing the wrong content and so in the end they had to um you know change what they were going to put on the network because they couldn't restrict people from other countries seeing it so they had to make sure it was all completely generic um and that's the problem they're going to have with with this is that because the existing deal Disney have with Sky in the UK, it's going to be very awkward for them to be able to just put this new content on, uh, you know, Disney Life itself, or, you know, they'll have to do it via a new medium, which could be Hulu. Yeah. And I do wonder about this, this Sky deal now as well. Obviously they've, they've sold off all their shares in Sky. Um, Whether that's part of the deal that that, that kind of Sky Movies Disney thing goes away. I'm not sure. I'm sure we're not going to find out until this done. This deal is complete, mm. um, which is looking like it's going to be fairly shortly. Um, they passed uh, another thing. They passed the the European government this this week. Um, they are allowing the deal to go ahead. Um, I think there's just a few smaller smaller countries to to work on. Um, to get that deal to go through but yeah there's uh, there's still a lot lot more to come out in the washer thing that we we don't know about yet so that that should come shortly well, i suppose really it's time will tell yeah <laughs> until we, yeah really. until, until that's it i mean i mean it's interesting it is very interesting but i just want to know now i, I want to know are we going to have to pay for another Disney service to get this stuff? Is this going to be part of something else? I mean, I've got no problem with Hulu coming to the UK if we're going to get some decent content with it, but I'm just struggling at the moment to think what that can be. 
Um, there's still too much investment was going. Even if they get the Disney stuff, even if that got taken away, Sky still have all the nearly all of the Fox shows. Yeah. So I don't know. I suppose yeah, we'll find out hopefully sooner rather than later. So, um, before we wrap up, was there anything else that we have failed to mention so far that we want to get in before we turn in? Nothing massive. Uh, The only other thing was that they've announced they're doing more after-hours events um, now at Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. Okay. Um, Mm. Hollywood Studios is a strange one because there's not a lot to do at the moment. Whether this is just a job. Yeah. (laughs) You can do Toy Story Land, Rock and Roller Coaster, and Tower of Terror. (laughs) And that's it for you. A couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Um. Animal Kingdom's a bit different. Obviously, you get access to Pandora, um, mm. which is going to be quieter than it would be normally, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but then that's such a big park as well. So the, the couple of hours will be spent walking between attractions. Um, but, yeah, another another trial basis, I would imagine, for, for Galaxy's Edge. Um, yeah. For those... Yeah, bonus, bonus events like they've been doing for Toy Story Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how they sell. I mean, they obviously sell enough, or they stop doing them. But do you know what I mean? Like, it does make you, um, it does make you think. But I suppose then it's it's no different than paying for an extra ticket for a Halloween party or a, a Christmas party. I suppose you get better access to to everything. True. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, Animal Kingdom trying to get access to Flight of Passage, I could I could see the attraction. If you're only going to go down there for a couple of days, like many Americans do, you know, three, four, five days, and you're struggling to get a Flight of Passage ticket, then you might be tempted. Mm. I'm assuming that the wait times on an after-hours thing like that would be would be pretty reasonable. Yeah. I would hope. You'd probably think it's yeah. durable rather than... Yeah. Well, I don't even know if they do fast passes for those events. They, do they let mm. you do fast passes mm, for those? No, don't oh, think no, so. No. I was going to say, I don't know how they'd, get, they'd let you do it. So. Yeah. Actually, just on that note about Pandora, uh, they announced today that... Uh, what's it called? Toruk. Or Turok. Uh, is coming to London next next summer at the O2 in London. Um, that's the Avatar Cirque du Soleil show. So if oh, you right. have got a desperation to see uh, an Avatar Cirque du Soleil show before the new quadrilogy of films comes out, then uh, you're mm-hmm. in luck in the UK. Shame so. they can't do anything with the one at Disney. Mm. I'm still, I'm still surprised that's empty. That's lying there empty. Very mm. surprised that's lying there empty. Yeah. But right. Well, in that case, um, I think we'll we'll wrap things up there. But uh, thank you both of you, gentlemen, for joining us, for joining me, even. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us. That's what I meant to say. Um, please, if you don't already, subscribe review like us on itunes um like our facebook page 
and um, you know we'll keep you up to date with the latest news. And we'll be back with another Disaster Dark soon. To the pit. Whoopee! Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, oh, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it? <laughs> well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash After Dark Network. Here you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do. The other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash disafterdark. Any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on Patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the After Dark Network. On behalf of the other After Dark Podcast Network hosts, we thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support. Podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast.